0: Yeah, it was an amazing week, and uh, and I'm pumped for today. Good morning, everybody. It's so good to be here with you today. If you are joining us online, I hope you know we ain't got nothing but love for you. If you are outside, I hope you're enjoying some amazing weather. And if you're in the house this morning, can we make a little bit of noise to show people that we are excited to be at church this morning? And like Kayla said, if you are jumping into the conversation for the first time, I want you to know that we are So glad that you're here. My name is Daniel. I'm part of the team here at Eden Church. And a little over four years ago, my wife and I and an amazing team of volunteers started Eden Church with a vision to help people take a next step with Jesus, no matter where they were at on the journey, because we were convinced that life with Jesus is so much more meaningful and purposeful and enjoyable than life without Jesus. And so my hope is that by the end of our time together today, that would be more clear to all of us. So today we are launching a brand new series called The Best is Yet to Come, and, uh, and if you're new to the conversation, a series for us is just a collection of talks that we spread out over several weeks, and we focus on a theme, a topic, or a passage from the Bible, and then we apply it to our everyday lives. And this series for us is all about leaning into the future with some bold faith. Can we say bold faith this morning? Bold faith. All right, we're going to have some bold faith as we lean into the future because I think that we are in a season of life that is going to require us to have some faith if we want to experience a fresh perspective. I think that there are probably a lot of people over the last few months that have felt a little bit stuck. Maybe you have felt stuck at home, all right? All of us know what that feels like. Maybe you feel like you've been stuck with family. Literally, my wife and I were, this may not not be the kindest word to say, but we were stuck in a car with two fighting kids for 40 hours uh, over the last few weeks, right? You have experienced that. Maybe you feel stuck in your career, or maybe you feel stuck in this city, or stuck in a relationship, or stuck in certain emotions. Some of us may even feel a little bit stuck in our faith. And I think that maybe for the first time, many of us are starting to notice this stuckness as the world begins to open back up and maybe we feel unsure about how to move forward into the future. Have you ever been to a middle school dance before, right? Anyone ever been to a middle school dance? There's a lot of awkwardness going on, right? Because uh, in my experience, some of the awkwardness had to do with the fact that I didn't know how to dance in middle school. Maybe I did, or maybe I was just nervous about when to hop, what beat to jump to, and some of you think in middle school, no, I felt that this morning during worship. Okay, some of us are not sure if we do the double hand, the one hand, the underhand raise when we're worshiping right, do I put it left, What's, what, what phrase do I put my hand up to? We all probably feel a little bit of that awkwardness. I think that level of awkwardness and hesitancy that we feel is how a lot of us feel in our situation in life right now times 100. And I think that it's gonna take some faith for us to step, step out of the stuckness that we're feeling I think it's going to take faith for some of us to believe with confidence that the best is yet to come. And so this morning, I want to get you engaged. Those of you, you've been here, you've been engaging, but I want to get you a little bit more engaged. I want you to turn to your neighbor this morning. Don't breathe right in their face, but I want you to say the best is yet to come. Let's get it out of our mouths this morning. Go ahead and look. turn to your neighbor and say, the best is yet to come. If you're watching online, go ahead and type it in the chat. The best is yet to come. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the opportunity to come here and to worship, to hear your word, to be a part of a community. God, where all of us are looking for the best version of ourselves. All of us are hoping that we are not experiencing perfection, but we are experiencing progress toward that end. And so, God, we pray for your blessing this morning. We ask that you would be with us, and God, that you would, you would speak to us to the unique needs that we have as we've stepped into this space today. In Jesus' name, we pray all this. Amen. So as we start the conversation this morning, I want us to process a question together. And the question is, where in your life have you settled for less? Where in your life have you settled for less? And, and this is not meant to make any of us feel bad, okay? But it's just an opportunity for some self-reflection. As I pose this question uh, in preparation, I could identify several areas of my life where I have settled for, for less. One area is in my bilingual studies, okay? I speak a lot of bad Spanish all the time. I speak bad enough Spanish where if most people uh, use words in the wrong context as often as I did, they would be embarrassed. I'm not, but I should be. (laughs) And you would think I could be disciplined to learn to speak better Spanish. I could be laying in bed at night every night practicing my Duolingo, but I don't. I have accepted that I'm settling for less in my spanish study and the truth is is that most of us in some area of our life have settled for less maybe it's in our jobs or our career right we don't love our job but to do something different would be really hard and so we just stay where we're at for some of us it could be our health we're not quite where we want to be but we've tried to get healthy in the past before and we feel like we failed and if we fail again we may just give up forever so we don't try we may be struggling in some relationships Maybe we're not getting along with our spouse or with our parents or with our children. And we have tried to work on the relationship before, but at this point, we're kind of done trying. And you know what I've learned about those areas in my life where I've accepted that I'm settling for less? I've learned that I have a lot of good excuses for why I'm doing it, for why I've accepted this settling for less lifestyle. Oftentimes, I tell myself I'm too busy to do anything about it. I'm too tired. A lot of times, I'm too comfortable in my bed to pull out my phone and to start doing Duolingo. For others of us, if we're thinking about making a major change or we're making a major decision in our life, it may seem too risky. There are so many reasons why we settle for less in the important areas of our life. But this is what I love about the God of the Bible is that the God of the Bible loves us too much to leave us where we are. And what we're going to learn today is that part of how we stop buying into the mindset of settling for less in the important areas of our life is that it's going to take a little bit of faith on our part. So I want us to say that together. Let's get it in our heads, okay? On the count of three, it's going to take faith. One, two, three. It's going to take faith. It's going to take faith. And... To learn that, we're going to be in the Old Testament this morning. That's the first half of our Bibles. It's also known as the Hebrew Bible. It talks about the origin of humanity and how God used a group of spiritual influencers to change the world. And we're going to become more familiar with the Old Testament because part of what is so valuable about becoming familiar with the Old Testament is that it really does give us a foundation to understand the New Testament. When we learn about generosity in the New Testament, it's rooted in the Old Testament. When we learn about faith in the New Testament, it's rooted in the Old Testament. When we learn about Jesus in the the Old Testament, it's rooted in the Old Testament. The Old Testament gives us context to understand the depth of truth being offered in the New Testament, and there may be no other figure in the Old Testament that has shaped the pattern of faith and the way that we see. Our patterns of faith than a man named Abraham. And to understand his journey, we've got to understand where he comes from. Abraham was born in 1996 BC, <laughs> BC, in the city of Ur, located in Mesopotamia. Most scholars actually believe that Mesopotamia was the first developed civilization in the world, and Ur was one of the few major urban centers in existence at that time. And what's interesting is is that Abraham was actually born as Abram, which means exalted father. Now, this is really important because in the Jewish culture, your name carried a lot of significance. When a parent named their child, they were doing so tied to the vision that they had for their life. And so there was in this sense that from the very early stages of his life, there, there was this vision on, his, on Abram's life that he was going to be an influencer. And so we don't get introduced to Abram until... He's about the age of 75, and we're told that along with his father, Terah, his wife, Sarai, and his nephew, Lot, he moved from Ur to a place called Haran. And at this point in Abram's life, he was actually a well-established individual. He was well-accomplished. He owned land. He owned livestock. He employed shepherds. He had a staff that attended to his affairs. And all of these unique details about Abram's life were all signs of his ridiculous wealth. If he were alive today in San Jose, I imagine that like he would own a lot of real estate, probably parts of Santana Row. He may have purchased some Dogecoin, okay, like a year ago. He may have been an early investor in Tesla, right? He was wealthy, but it didn't just speak to his wealth, but it also spoke to his wisdom, his intelligence, his business acumen. He was a capable leader. But the Bible also gives us Some insight about his spiritual heritage. We know that Abram was raised in a culture that worshiped idols, and an idol is just an inanimate object that is created for worship. But not only was he raised in a culture that worshiped idols, he was raised in a household that worshiped idols. In Joshua chapter 24, verse 2, we're told that Abram's father was an idol worshiper. And what was true typically about most cultures and most uh, religions that worshiped idols is that they were heavy on ritual, rules, and regulations, and they were devoid of relationship. And so we know a lot about what was happening in his life before. We have some idea. But we don't know a lot about the transition that was taking place in Abraham's life. But we do know that his job, his relationships... His achievements, his religion, and his lifestyle, for some reason, didn't satisfy his heart. And so this is where God enters the story. And so let's pick up in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. It's interesting to think that this was early on in Abram's relationship with God, For most of us, our faith began when someone told us about God, or maybe it was a family member or friend, they invited us to church, or we heard a message online or saw something on YouTube. But when we look at the beginning of Abram's journey, God was, from the very beginning, beginning to test his faith, because in the ancient world, family was everything, It was part of your protection. It was a source of wealth. It was part of your community. It was a huge support system in your life. And so leaving your family in the ancient world wasn't a sacrifice. It was just foolish. And then we know that Abram worshiped idols. God was asking him to step out of his religious heritage into a ty- in a new type of relationship with him. If any of you have ever had that experience where you have stepped out of the religion of your family or the religion of your youth, you know how big of an ask that is. You know how challenging that experience is. And maybe the most challenging thing that God asked Abram to do is he asked him to leave everything without telling him where he was going. I think sometimes what is so hard about following Jesus are those moments when God gives us an opportunity to demonstrate faith. Because it is not hard to go to church. Well, it may be hard. All right, it may be hard depending on what kind of night we had on Saturday night. But it's not hard to watch online. It's not hard to sing these worship songs. It's not hard to read Bi- the Bible or books about our faith. But it gets real hard. When God gives us an opportunity to put our faith in Him to the test, doesn't it get hard to not gossip when we have the perfect opportunity to say something? And I know how we do it in the church, right? We try to sort of wrap it up in a prayer request, right? We wrap our gossip up in a prayer request. And it's hard, right? It's hard to live out God's truth when we have an opportunity to be faithful. Isn't it hard to be faithful when It involves our sacrifice. But what we learn is that God will never ask us to give up something that he won't replace with something better. Look what it says in verse 2. It says, I'll make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. And I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on the earth will be blessed through you. In other words, God is saying, if you go, I'll turn your descendants into a great nation whose blessing and influence will reach every people group around the world. In this moment, that is the promise that God is making to Abraham. If you leave this family, I will use your life to create a better one. And I think that this was an amazing promise. But it was also a little bit inconsistent with Abraham's experience and what he knew about himself. Because at this point, he was probably questioning how God was going to bless his descendants when for the last 50 years that him and Sarai were married, he couldn't have a child. So there were two options that Abraham could have assumed about this God. That he had no idea what he was talking about or that this God was a miracle worker. And God was telling him that the only way that he could experience the blessing was by faith. God was telling Abraham that the only way he gets from here to there was by faith. Because what we will learn as we begin to like examine Abraham's life, and not just his life, but every spiritual leader that we see in the Bible, God uses faith as a, as a vehicle for spiritual growth in their life. And I think that this is a reminder to all of us that our faith is not just meant to be a feeling. It's not just meant to be a formula. In fact, if you can reduce your faith to a formula and make sense out of it, it is probably not faith. Because if you can explain it, it's not faith. You do not need faith for what you can explain. You need faith for what you cannot understand. (laughs) Hebrews chapter 11 says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What God is doing in Abram's in Abraham's life is the same thing that he wants to do in our lives. It's the same thing that he does, is that oftentimes God will put us in positions in our life that require us to demonstrate faith. Sometimes God will tell us that if we want to become all that he has created us to be, we've got to have faith. And verse 4 tells us Abram's response. It says, so Abram departed as the Lord instructed. Abram trusted that God's way was better than his own way. And what we see in Abram's life from the very beginning is that his faith over time changed him. Because after this moment, God changed Abram's name to Abraham. Abram means exalted father, but Abraham means the father of many nations. And what you will learn in your journey, or you have learned just like I have learned, is that when we begin to demonstrate faith, when we allow for God to test our faith, where we orchestrate our lives, that if God does not show up, we do not succeed. It'll begin to change you. It'll begin to change the way that you see the world around you. It'll begin to change the way that you see others. And it'll begin to change the way that you see yourself. And we saw that happening in Abram's life. That from this point forward, all we know about Abraham is that he was this really successful business leader. And maybe that was going to be the end all of his life, that he was going to keep acquiring land and and having more livestock and having more employees But what was so beautiful about this moment is that God loved Abraham so much that he wouldn't leave him where he is. He wouldn't leave him with such a small vision for his own life. And God cast a bigger vision. How not only God's vision for Abraham's life would benefit him, but it would benefit the world around him. It changed him. I heard someone say a long time ago that it's just one moment in the presence of Jesus that changes everything. And that was what it was meant to do. And I wonder how many of us are in the room this morning that maybe are in a similar situation in life. Maybe there are some of us today that have just been battling with our relationship with God. There may be even some of us in the room today that wouldn't even describe our lives and, and any pattern in our life as uh, exhibiting a relationship with God. But the beautiful thing No matter where we are, is that God loves us so much that, that he wouldn't leave us where we are. He doesn't want to leave us where we are. And so, over the course of our life, God will give us those opportunities. Those opportunities to demonstrate faith because God has a vision for our life, the same way he had a vision for Abram's life. A few weeks ago, my wife and I and our family had the opportunity. We went and uh, we traveled to different parts of the state, the West Coast. We went to Tahoe for a little bit, and we went to Seattle after that. And, uh, and, and it's interesting, our son, Grayson, is in a really unique stage in his life. And for some reason, a lot of things that he's trying to do for the first time are scary to him. I'm surprised that he came up and sang the song this morning before service. But a lot of things are scary to him, even things that he's done in the past. And it was interesting because uh, for this trip, we, my wife and I planned this trip with activities that we knew he was going to love to do. But when it finally came time to participate in those activities, he would get really scared and say that he didn't want to do it. And so we tried to do some rafting and he didn't want to do it. And we tried to get on a boat, and he didn't want to do it. We went to a water park. We wanted to take him down a slide. He didn't want to do it. And over and over again, throughout this entire trip, we had to have this conversation with Grayson. We said, Grayson, do you think Mommy and Daddy would ever put you in a situation where you would get hurt? Do you think that Mommy and Daddy don't love you enough to help you get through this whole experience safely? And we would always end our little conversation and we would say, you need to just trust us. Because we know him, at least at this season of his life, better than he knows himself. And so the things that seem scary to him, we know that if he just trusts us, if he allows for us to just take him with us, he's going to have an amazing time. And there was this one time where he wanted to finally go up one of these water slides and so we waited in line. We climbed all the way to the top of the water slide. And finally, when we got to the very top, he changed his mind. But in my mind, I said, it's too late. We just waited in line. We ain't going back down. I literally, and this may not be great parenting, okay? <laughs> this is how scared he was. He grabbed onto the gate next to the slide, and I had to pull his whole body off of the slide. You guys may have lost respect for me at this point. <laughs> but I told him we're not going back down. And I grabbed him in my arms, I sat him in my lap, and we went down this water slide. And when we came out on the other side, he absolutely loved it. At the end of the trip, my wife said, honey, what was the best part of this trip? He said, the water slide. But that was God's heart for Abram. And that is God's heart for us. Every time he gives us an opportunity to demonstrate faith it is not to destroy us it is not to hurt us it is to grow us and to lead us to this place that he to to step into the vision that God had for each of our lives. And I wonder this morning we asked on the front end what area of our life have we settled for less? But I wonder on the back end of our conversation, what area of your life is God calling you to have more faith? What area of your life is God asking you to demonstrate faith? Richard War says that faith is patience in the mystery. Where is God calling you to have more faith today? Is it in your marriage? Is it in your job? Is it in your family? Is it with your children? Is it with your health? Is it in your finances? Is it in your heart? Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 says, I have nothing to fear with you on my side. I will be strong and courageous. I will not be terrified or discouraged for the Lord my God will be with me wherever I go. I don't know who needed to hear that this morning, but that is a promise that if we are in relationship with God, no matter where you go or what you do or what season of life you're in, wherever you are, God is with you. God is with you. And I hope that as we go about our week and maybe we keep asking that question to ourselves, where in our life do we need to have faith? Where do we need to have patience in the mystery? That that verse would come to mind that wherever I am, the Lord God will be with me and I won't be terrified, I won't be discouraged because wherever I am, the Lord God is with me. I imagine that there are some of you in the room today that showed up and you're processing these unique circumstances of life. But maybe you came this morning and you asked yourself that question, where do I need to have faith? And maybe for some of you, the answer is, I need to begin a relationship with God. There may be some of you that have come into this place today disconnected for God for whatever reason. Maybe that's never been a part of your rhythm, or maybe you've just been distant for God from a season. But today I want to give you an opportunity to demonstrate faith, to begin a relationship with God. And to do that, all you have to do, we're going to ask everyone to bow your heads and close your eyes in just a moment. But if today you want to receive and begin a relationship with God, It is all about trusting that God loved you enough to send his son to die on the cross because the Bible tells us that we were not strong enough to carry the weight of our own sin. There was only one person created strong enough to do that, one person strong enough to do that, and that is Jesus Christ. And he came to bear a weight that we could not bear. He came to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And Scripture says all we have to do is to receive that gift into our life. And when that happens, Scripture says that we get a brand new heart that gives us a brand new perspective, not just on the world but on ourselves. And this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So now you can bow your heads and close your eyes no matter where you're viewing this. If you're viewing online, I'm going to ask for you to pray this simple prayer In your heart after me. Dear God, thank you for loving me even when I didn't love you. Thank you for providing hope when I felt like there was no hope. God, thank you for loving me enough to not leave me where I was. God, I've tried to do life my way, but I recognize that no matter how hard I try, how much money I have, how many accolades I acquire, I still go to bed wondering the same set of questions. Where did I come from? Why am I here? and Where am I going? And is this all there is? to life. Today I want to trust that you know me better than I know myself and that you can do for me what I can't do for myself and that is bring me into relationship with God. Today I receive the gift of salvation and I trust that you loved me enough to die on the cross for my sins. And I pray today that you would give me the strength to follow you in the days to come. In Jesus' name, I believe. Go ahead and keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. And this morning, I'm gonna ask those of you who pray that in your heart to demonstrate faith one more time. And I wanna encourage you to just raise your hand real quickly so that we know what God is doing in this place. I see you, I see you. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. Father, we thank you that every week we come into this place, you are working on our hearts. You are showing us something new about who we are in light of who you are. And God, I pray for every heart that prayed that prayer this morning, that this would be just the beginning of a brand new relationship with you. That it would be a turning point in their life of doing life by themselves to doing life with you. God, I pray that you'd fill their hearts with joy and hope. God, I pray that as a church, in these new seasons of life, that we would walk through every challenge with faith, with patience in the mystery, believing that, God, you see what we need and that you're with us. Father, we pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, can you do me a favor this morning? Let's celebrate every single person who made a decision to begin following Jesus.